0: Tell me if this sounds familiar. You just got back from a nice long lunch. Everything is going well. The sun is shining. Earlier in the day, you sent the perfect design to a client. You know they're gonna love it. And then you get back to your desk after lunch and you get a frantic email from your creative director that says, we need to redo everything. The client wants it redone. They want new illustrations. They want new photos. They want new vectors. Everything has to be redone. And uh, oh yeah, we have about 15 minutes to get it done. Does that sound familiar? This has happened to me like a million times and I like to know that there's a place that I can go uh, and have a solution for this so I don't get fired and I don't have to have an anxiety attack because when I first started out, I didn't exactly know where to go, but now I have the perfect place and that place is Shutterstock. They have over 340 million photos, vectors, illustrations. They've got it all. Personally, I love the curated collections and that way you'll see the best of the best right away you could skip the search and get to work and over the years i've used shutterstock on my own website on social posts on digital ads and every time i use it it looks professional it looks amazing and if you act now you can try shutterstock for free and get 10 images for zero dollars that's right zero dollars 10 images from your boy rob here at meet the creatives just go to shutterstock.com mtc that's shutterstock.com slash mtc enjoy the show yeah now there we're was, on brand that's right all right perfect so we got some great questions submitted uh i was actually just vacationing in cape cod and uh i was spending some time with brian collins who was on your show all right yeah uh, and he says to say hello i was asking um about some interviews he'd done recently he said that he loved talking with you and he said that of all the shows that he's done uh, your show is the one he's recognized for the most. he has been ha- He's had people come up on the street saying that they saw him interviewed on your show. So you're certainly doing something that's pretty <laughs> significant there. All
1: right. Here's a secret. It's easy to sell Brian Collins, so not a yeah, big deal he's, there.
0: He's a talker. He kind of sets it up perfectly there for you. So that's good.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: all right. So normally I'd be very nervous, but tonight the questions are actually coming from uh, my audience. That's cool. If you guys have questions, uh, submit them and uh, we'll take some of the ones that were submitted ahead of time. Uh, And some of the people who submitted them are actually in the chat right now. So, here we go. Uh, This is from ELY Creative VA from Virginia. With companies like Fiverr, Design Pickle, that are delivering on-demand media graphics, how can we position ourselves to not be passed over by these collectives? Each of them promises nearly unlimited revisions and fast turnaround times and maybe it's cheaper than all alternative for small and medium-sized companies that cannot afford an in-house team. Uh, instantaneous designs kind of are taking some of the market. That's the gist of it. So uh, what, what's your feedback to somebody who says that they could just go online and go on Fiverr or something like that?
1: Yeah, there's a couple of things we need to take into consideration. The person who is going to buy creative services on Fiverr, uh, Upwork, or Design Pickle is in a totally different market space than hopefully where you're positioned. Now, I know a lot of creatives are selling through these creative marketplaces, and we want to talk about that in a little bit. But just imagine, like, there are people who shop at Nordstrom, Neiman Marcus, Saks Fifth Avenue, Barneys, New York. And there are people who who shop at Target, Old Navy, and some discount stores. So I think you have to kind of ask yourself, like, why am I being compared to these people? And those people are looking for somebody to do something quick. They don't feel like they have a big problem to solve. So they're not going to spend a lot of money on it. This is the critical conversation that you're going to be having potentially with your clients, right? It's like, if they think they have a small problem to solve, they're going to spend a small amount of money. If they ask you to make a video or a logo and they don't really care about the results, they don't think it solves any kind of problem well, they're going to want to spend as little as possible. So you don't want to be in that same conversation. It's a dangerous place to say like, I'm worried about these people because they're different buyers and different marketplaces. Right now what you want to do, you got to get yourself off these creative marketplaces and you have to learn how to do the marketing and lead generation yourself. You have to learn some business skills. Otherwise the middle person, the middleware is going to sell you short. They're going to offer unlimited revisions, or if there's a dispute they just take the money and give it back to the client. So you got to get off these po- platforms altogether.
0: Yeah. I, I know cool. that there's a, a great video that I watched and you kind of do these. Um, and for, I, I'm going to, fail to come up with the proper semantics, but I watch your channel all the time. And, and you uh, have this kind of podcast set up and it's you and uh, all your boys and people that work at The Future are all kind of sitting right. around. And um, you really go over the logistics of how these situations, you kind of like role play these situations. And mm-hmm. it's, I get like, <laughs> for, I get like nervous when I hear you talking because <laughs> your comebacks are so like quick, like someone will say something like that. Yeah. And, um, does that experience, you know, cause for me, I got, and I think I speak for a lot of people that are kind of new at this process. I got a little bit nervous, right? The people pleaser yeah. really wants to come out. Does that, were you always like this? Or that kind of comes over time and, and uh, you know, doing enough projects where you don't want you kind of like, don't want to get screwed over anymore. Have you always been that like sharp? And cause you always have these comebacks, but I don't know if I would have, those <laughs> you
1: know? Yeah, I, I want to say something cause people always criticize or question the legitimacy of these role plays right and i'll tell you in my experience in my experience rarely have i ever met a client as bad as the people who are role playing with me right. because people have professional decorum they're not going to sit there and throw all kinds of insults at you and you would just walk normally and they would never say it to your face like that so it's how it is in real life because people are more polite than that now yeah. have i always been this way i don't think so but i have to say like uh, dating back to like junior high high school I enjoyed thinking and having critical conversation with people, mostly out of the place of curiosity, because I just wanted to know like, what you thought. Let's take religion, for example. If you're a really religious person, and I'm, I was raised Catholic, so I wanted to find out about Jehovah's Witnesses, Judaism, Catholic, uh, Christians, or whatever, or Mormons. I just wanted to find out what was going on. And I would just ask lots and lots of questions, and then I would just check in my mind. Is, is that consistent? Where, where is that inconsistent? And where does the logic fall apart? It would get into these really kind of strong conversations, not, not necessarily debate, because I was just coming from a place of curiosity. So you right. transition from uh, curiosity into a business realm, and it's the same thing. I'm just asking questions mostly. And I'll, I'll tell you something. If, if you watch really uh, good professional debaters, they almost let the other person fall into their own trap. Yeah. So I'm not trying to prove that I'm right. I'm right. just trying to ask enough questions so you realize you're wrong.
0: Yeah, your silence is the thing that really I think a lot of times is like, damn, like if I were on the opposite side of that negotiation, like that's silence. Yeah. Like you just, you have like a stoic response. But anyway, we have a whole bunch of questions to get through here. But, uh, you, you know, you have like these, these courses and we're going to get into that a little bit yeah. about the different offerings. But mm-hmm. even just like the online stuff that you guys put out for free is remarkable. So if you're new, uh, a lot of this audience is coming probably from your page, but if you're on my uh, page, definitely subscribe, rate and review, thumbs up, notifications, all that stuff. Okay. How do, uh, this is the same person, how do you define social media's influence and its ethical responsibilities? We have people who want to be brand owners, brand strategists, content creators, but there is content responsibility and the number of people who plagiarize and deliberately copy uh, miscommunicated information. Will there be a way to monitor this and how can we protect ourselves as designers and creators? Or is that just the risk we take in this line of work?
1: Yeah. Wow. That's like, 40, for, for uh, that's like 40 for questions all in one. Right. So yeah. let me see if I can just go How back. How do we protect and,
0: ourselves? I think is the underlying question.
1: Is that, is that the one that's most important? How do we protect ourselves?
0: Yeah. Create the, our creative. Yeah. Intellectual. Okay.
1: Product. All right. So I want to tell you a little story now before, uh, cause I, I lived in a time prior to the internet and social media for sure. Uh, there, I literally had to ask my older brother, like, Hey, what's the internet? And he tried to explain it to me. It was complicated. And now everybody's grown up with the internet, especially young, young people. But back in the day, you have to think about like how you got your name out there. And it was expensive. And I'll tell you all the ways for, for those who are too young to remember. You would have to buy an ad inside a, a directory of designers or creatives. And they would, uh, they would charge you like $5,000 for a full page spread where you would design anything you wanted. And you weren't even sure who got these things and who looked at them and whether or not they called. And I did this for a number of years. So I dropped 5G five grand to, wow. to get somebody to call me. And in the three years that I did this, I don't think a single person ever called me. I thought I had to buy my way into an elite group of people to say like, I'm legitimate. See, I'm next to these people that I looked up to. And that was one way. And another way would, you'd have to get a sales rep who would go from agency to agency and with their their portfolios of different companies and individuals that they represented. And then they would present your work to an art buyer, that's literally their name and term. And then they would present that work internally. So you have very little control, very little transparency, you have no idea who's looking at it, if they're looking at it, all you're doing is spending money all day long. That's wow. literally what you're doing. And so how do Not you money work? on
0: Facebook doesn't seem so bad anymore after hearing
1: No, that. right? So I just <laughs> want to let everybody know. And, and sometimes we would do this in the, in the early days because I didn't have a rep. I couldn't afford to buy these ads. I wasn't even sure if they were effective. So I'd get on the phone. I would call some people that I thought I would know. And it was scary as hell. You pick up the phone. It's like, yeah, you don't really know me. But uh, do you have an, a, a moment so I can show you my portfolio? And they know what you want. Right. You want work. And they're like, yeah. I get a 1,000 of these calls every single day. Why would I even want to talk to you? And yeah. then every once in a while, they would say yes. You would get your portfolio together physically, put it in a bag in and, and a portfolio case, and then you would get in your car and drive there and open it up and, and wait. probably wait in the lobby and then show it to them. And you would show them a few pieces, and like, thank you, and then you're off. Wow. That was it. That was your entire process. So it, didn't, it wasn't very good then. I'm going to let you know right now. So right. I, what we have now is far superior to what we have then. Yes, it does come with some risk. There are some caveats here, but to think that you or I or anybody, all 167 people watching this right now, have the ability to produce a piece of work and share it for free on a forum that might have hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people look at it all for free. The risk that we have and the risk that we're taking is it might be so good that other people might reshare it and they might obscure your name or they might plagiarize your work. But that happened since the beginning of time. Yeah, it's just more convenient now. But the the upside to this far outweighs the negative. So I think we got to get over ourselves. There are a lot of people who are like, no, I, I don't want anybody to copy my work and all that kind of stuff. And they toil away in relative anonymity, working in very local markets, getting crushed by clients who don't treat them well. Right. When you don't have options, you have to take whatever's in front of you. So the best thing that you can do to build your confidence is to have more options than the capacity to do the work. That's it
0: yo this guy i'm telling you this guy's the man yeah totally <laughs> and i actually did some uh some live events in person mm-hmm. and, pe- and people will be like what do you think about chris Dill? like what do you think about chase jarvis like do you want to be like them are they their competition i'm like no like there, there's plenty enough there's plenty to uh, enough for everyone and yeah. there's there's abundance you know what i mean and, and it's like you have an online learning platform and so to like you know there's linkedin learning there's all these different things but the value like that you provide is undeniable. And I think that it actually makes things probably better because because there is this kind of vast, open, transparent, you know, this transparent world where everyone has a shot. Um, I think that makes the competition a whole lot better. So that's good. By the yeah. way, I'm, not, I'm not at all comparing myself to you or Chase Jarvis.
1: I'm like- but, you know, Check it out, check it out. Like <laughs> when, when I was coming up, like when I graduated school in 95- One day. And <laughs> when I graduated school in 1995, I was working, I always wanted to know like, what is the other company charge? How did they structure their bids and what are they presenting and what's their process like? And for decades, nobody ever talked about it. Some of them, some of my competitors were my friends, but they, we're not going to ask each other nor share because it it's like bad form to go and ask your friend competitor like, right. hey, so like, what'd you submit for that bid? And how did you win that job over us? They're not going to tell you, even to yeah. this day. I have a lot of guests on our show and I'll ask them point blank. How much money do you make? What's the average size of your job? And They will not tell you anything. I'm I'm hoping that by speaking this, that we create a space where creatives, we're not competing against ourselves. You know, there's that though, the whole crab analogy where you put a bunch of crabs in a bucket and they could climb out of it. But as one that tries to get out because their instincts are just to grab whatever they can, they pull themselves back into the bucket. And that's what we have. We have this crab mentality. When when somebody when, when somebody does really well when their videos get sponsored or they start to like have a little success what do we do we tear them down we we do the same thing with bands they sold out they're just for the dollar now they're chasing the Benjamin we liked it better when we only knew them and nobody else knew about
0: them right
1: what are we doing to ourselves
0: that's crazy I know I felt that way about Green Day when they came out with American Idiot I felt like that was like like all of a sudden my cool like punk rock band sold out now they're on Broadway come on right right. <laughs> <laughs> a D here Here we go uh keep moving um based on a dream others oh, underscores in between all those based on a dream how to utilize utilize your time uh at university the best way i love your post-its video that was fantastic if you can maybe tie it in with that that'd be awesome but feel free to okay
1: yeah. well i'm gonna try to uh, adapt my answer for the times that we're going through right now i was just okay. having a conversation with somebody like the uh, we believe that we pay a lot of money in tuition for universities and colleges because of education. And there's, there's a kind of subtle pushback tension that's happened right now because a lot of universities, uh, rightfully so, are doing online classes now. Right. And so students are demanding a refund or a partial refund on their tuition because it's like, I'm kind of getting what LinkedIn is right now. I'm kind of getting Skillshare or Masterclass, but I'm paying 1,000 times the amount. That a subscription to one of those platforms would cost. So we, start, we have to have a real conversation with ourselves. Are we going to school to learn? And if, if, we, we, if we're only willing to pay one tenth of it for the educational part, what are we getting for that nine tenths that we're spending? So some right. people might say it's the social experience, uh, the networking, uh, maybe the, the campus life facilities, tools, uh, the football field, all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, it's like, and are you paying you- for the overhead? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's really literally what you're paying for the machine.
0: <laughs> It's so expensive, kind of short, yeah.
1: right? I mean, um, I, I think a lot of schools uh, range between forty to seventy percent in terms of the money that's being spent in 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 management and overhead, and not on teachers. Yeah, like yeah. that. I used that to take 20...
0: classes on LinkedIn Learning, like yeah. another great another great resource. But but I used to take uh, Sean Adams from Art Center College. Yes, I love love love. St- still to this day, I watch him all the time, and I mm-hmm. would think to myself like what is the real difference between somebody who goes to Art Center College and takes Sean Adams' class and then me here on LinkedIn and I have these presentations and it's all there. And I remember thinking that, and now that question has kind of come to like the zeitgeist, you know what I mean? Because I felt I would pretend I was at Art Center, you know?
1: Yeah. And the the answer to your question is, because I I know Sean, he was, I guess at one point, uh, partially my boss, because I was teaching her, is probably not a lot. Sean's a fantastic teacher, he's super well-spoken, very knowledgeable and basically you just don't breathe the same air right that's that's the little difference and, and you don't have a side conversation with somebody but here's the cool part in class when somebody says something and your mind wanders for a second you can't replay that it's gone
0: right there's no right? subtitles if anything there's it's nothing better.
1: yeah i think so yeah. so how do you protect your time when you're in school i think you have to really think like what is it that you're doing how to squeeze the most out of it. Like if you're there for the networking and experience or for the learning, make sure you optimize for that and make some compromises. Here's where I think it's like, you don't want to spread yourself across everything because you're not going to be good at everything. If you're really into humanities or graphic design history or hand lettering, just give it your all in those classes and do a little less work in the other ones, because I think you're going to get more out of it.
0: Yeah. This is certainly a moment that I think is going to change a lot. So, um by the way my wife this, this is why i married this girl right here she took the questions that people were writing and wrote them out for me as we were talking oh that's how you're reading these that's wifey material wow. no I, I was gonna try and like scroll through it but i think that she sees the rate at which they're coming in so thank you because so they're, much they're <laughs> uh, yes thank you okay um okay we got those perfect all right uh trektube says what are chris's thoughts on pricing in these uncertain times do your prices change because we're going through a tough time, or how's that work?
1: Yeah, we're getting into that question a lot. So l- let's, let's, uh, let's just I establish- I feel like your answer is no, <laughs> it, it almost is no, I'm trying not to say that though, right? Because yeah. it's not very helpful. So and I, I, I wanna say, what's the baseline, for example, prior to this period in time, were you really good at pricing? Probably not. Were you good at setting a fair value and having the, the pricing or value conversation with the client beforehand? And the, the chances are no too. So now it's just like you're dogpiling on, on a broken system already. So I say like right now, since we're all kind of really suffering, and there are not a lot of opportunities out there. Uh, okay, first you have to eat. So if you have to take the job to eat, to pay rent or, and not to get evicted, you got to do what you got to do. Right. But let's assume that's been taken care of. I'm, I'm not in favor of right now just jumping on the automatic discount. I don't mean to say don't be flexible, but don't just offer that up front. This happens all the time. Now, I wanna tell you something, and and this is sometimes controversial, but I want people to to, to know this, right? There is an emotional psychology or psychological emotional reaction to price. So when we pay a lot for something, we are demonstrating that we value this thing. Because I would not pay you $1,000 for something if I didn't feel like you gave me more than $1,000 worth of joy, fulfillment, or help me made more than $1,000. Think about it, like this is pretty arbitrary. If you go to uh, an art show uh, different prints sell much faster than others. It's because a, a, a good number of people agree that whatever I'm paying for that, it's going to be worth more than that. Yes. And so when you start to discount your price, you're sending a signal to the other person. It's like, I guess this is worth less. Mm-hmm. It's mass produced. Maybe they're not that good. They're they're not, on the, uh, they're not an up and coming person or, or something is weird about this. And so we tell ourselves these stories. So when you're having the money conversation, what I would suggest to everybody that's listening is, Don't jump into discounting right away. Present yourself strong. Talk about the problem. Talk about the goals that you're trying to solve for the client and figure that part out first. Figure out how much it's worth to them. Figure out the success metrics, like how they will measure if this is successful or not. Get them talking and really just listen for a while. And the best part is they are pricing it up for you if you just ask the right questions. Yeah. So like, this is important, this will help me get more customers and each customer's worth X, Y, and Z and you're gonna help me do that. And you haven't said anything, you haven't convinced them of
0: anything. You just sit there leaving them in that awkward crystal silence and you, you stack that paper. <laughs> you just ask the smart questions?
1: Yeah. And then you shut up. That's really right. it is, right? So then once you get that conversation flowing, it's like, yeah, this is really important. I do really think this is great. Then you say like, what is a fair price to pay for that? Given what you just said, And they're going to say something pretty high and they could even say, and and if, you know, if you're so lucky to have a really honest, straightforward client, we're like, you know what? That's a $30,000 problem. But here's the thing. My cash flow is horrible right now. I think you're worth every bit of that money. Can you work with me here? Then you would say like, what would work for you? See, I I don't even want to answer the question. Then they might say, what if we just did three payment plans? So like 10,000, 10,000, 10,000. So that didn't even lower the price. It was just being flexible with the payment terms.
0: Right. I didn't
1: have to sell anything. I don't have to get awkward and weird with them. And right. if you could do that, you're going to probably double or triple your, your, your revenue instantly.
0: Yeah, totally. <clears throat> uh, how do I differentiate myself from other designers as far as getting a design job? Great question.
1: Oh, getting a design job. Okay, so you'll realize this. If you're applying for a job right now, it's, it's a weird world that we're in right now. So uh, I'm, I'm gonna try to navigate this as best as I can. If they call you, you've already met the minimum qualifications. So at this point, they're probably looking to see if there's anything else behind the work. And this is really how you differentiate yourself. And here's the good news. No two people are exactly the same. So what you have to do is you have to kind of be yourself, be present, and not get nervous and try to pretend to be somebody that you're not. Just show up wholly as who you are and be as honest as as you can be. And, and th- it's gonna come across as you're really confident and you're very present. What I would do too though is to prepare for some of the questions that you're gonna get because you should be prepared a little bit. So if they ask you certain questions, maybe about like why you wanna work at this company, what your five-year goals are, you should be able to articulate these and don't say something that's not coming from a genuine true place because they can smell that from a mile away. Remember, yeah. they're professionals that interviewing people and sniffing out who's a poor fit. Yeah. couple other things, it's good, like. For a college application, it's good for you to have other interests. So when they're like besides design or besides animation or programming, what else are you into? And it's like crickets out there. You're not that interesting of a person. Remember, they're trying to imagine what it's going to be like to be working with you for the next couple of years. And we want interesting people. We want people who are friendly, who are open, and and are happy to be alive and to be doing the work that they're doing. That matters to us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, What is your favorite online course you've made?
1: My favorite online course, um, probably my typography course, because I feel like that's the backbone, the spine to design. And we need to be good at typography. And if you're good at something that people will hire you for, I think it starts to build your confidence. And it's, it's our most popular class with the most number of students uh, in, in terms of that kind of class. And so I'm, I'm very proud of that because typography is not one of those things that you could just type up on the Internet or flip open in a book and find a lot of options for so I, I can't even think, to be honest, like there's another source out there that's
0: teaching topography on the level that we're trying to do it at. Yes, awesome. Uh, 52 chef says, what is your second favorite cocktail? Oh,
1: that's easy. I don't that's drink at question. all. I don't drink at all, so never have.
0: By the way, I was not going to talk about this, but uh, I'll share. And it's I swear to God, this time it's relevant. Uh, your Post-it... Uh, um, Video. I don't know what, what what the title of it was called, but basically, like blocking out your days and each hours yep. post it. Uh, budgeting realized, your time.
1: Mm-hmm. What was it? Like budgeting your time.
0: Yeah, budgeting to, your to time. Can, yeah. Mm-hmm. I realized how much time I was actually allocating towards drinking and uh smoking, and I actually am now. Today is day seventy one. I've been doing online Zoom meetings. I've been sober for seventy one days. It has fundamentally changed my life, and I think that the first thing that really I mean, obviously, besides like a lifetime of like trauma and depression, what was <laughs> seeing those notes and seeing really how much time I was wasting towards that, and uh, yeah. it's really great. So being sober, under well, hey, congratulations, man! Thank you. It feels it feels good. I highly recommend it. Uh, I'm gonna do a on 90 days. I'm, I'm gonna do a talk on here. So we'll we we'll get to that down the road. Um, uh, Sil Asmar is HTML and CSS essential for design.
1: Uh, No, not at all. You can use a pencil and a piece of paper, and that's essential for design. The ability to think, to be able to articulate what it is you're thinking, and to visually represent it in some form, that's what's important. I don't know a lick of HTML. Uh, Very few of my designers and people on my staff actually know HTML. I think there are three people on our staff who know this. If you want to do web design, it might be kind of critical to know some, some of this, and that's why it's integrated into a lot of programs, at least to know your way around. But there's a whole group of people who are developing tools where designers don't have to code anymore. And yeah. it's very clean. So there's no no code movement that's happening. So I think we're maybe a couple of years away from super clean code being generated via software, this middle layer. And the analogy I make is this. And my brother told me this many years ago, so it's his idea. He's like, you and I, if we're going to design we'll open up Adobe Illustrator, right? And if you ever looked at a PostScript file before, like not not the vector points and anchors, but the, you can open up in a text document, and it describes what you're drawing in kind of math terms. And if right. you know what you're doing, you can actually design in PostScript, like sit, literally write it. No designer I know designs in PostScript, but that's kind of like the analogy I'm making. Like That's the middle HTML layer, and what we want is what we see. So right. if we can get there and have clean code and not have to, to, to type it in, then I think we're going to be okay with that.
0: My friend, Mike Abandolo, I, I always say that wrong. We've been friends for years and I always say this wrong. Mike Abandandolo, There's like a lot of- <laughs> There's
1: things. an extra syllable <laughs> or
0: two in there. We've been friends for like five years. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, do you have a structure for critiquing design work? Been, been getting off track during critiques and we have- Wait. Been getting off track during critiques and we had a moderator and, th- and that did not work.
1: Yeah, so your, I- think Your design you... critiques are crazy. Well, I think having some kind of framework to have a conversation about design takes it away from the subjective nature of I like it, I don't like it. That's not very helpful to people because it's super subjective and I cannot predict what you like. I don't think you can predict what you like 100% of the time. So this becomes very difficult. So years ago, I learned this because I was working with a teacher who teaches teachers and he said, look, you should try to think about the five big decisions that you're making when you look at a piece of work so that your students can have the same framework. And it just took me a moment. I wrote them down. And, and then we were able to quickly identify it, right? So like when we're talking about design and typography, the first thing I ask is, uh, do I know what to look at? Right. Because people, especially starting out, who are not as confident, start piling in textures and little logos and type all over the place. And then they blur half of it and they put a gradient on top. And, and you're like, what am I looking at? I don't know what to look at because everything's screaming at me. So the first thing is, tell me where my eye is supposed to go. And you do this through scale, through con contrast through negative space and that's where you would begin so if you're looking at your own design and you're not sure if it's any good just step back like look away and then look at it again it's like what do i look at first and if you yeah. can't tell you have probably have broken the design so to speak yeah now, if you're working in large teams you guys should have this shared framework so that everybody is trying to hit the same target oftentimes it's the client brief that should be at the top like the client says it must do this i can't do that And then everything else is up for grabs. And we would describe that between a checklist and parameters. Checklist is you must do this. These are mandates, like use our corporate colors, only use Havetica, must include legal copy. Okay. The parameters are, it needs to feel aspirational. uh, It needs to feel upscale and that there's a lot of interpretation there. So a balance of the two really make for a strong framework to critique work.
0: I love that. Perfect. Uh, It must have a sheriff Wait, must have alpha sheriff that's that okay uh if we say that university is a waste of time uh how can a person make the most of their time? it is not very easy to stay focused how can a person stay motivated focused etc okay I, I'm
1: not saying universities are a waste of time I just want you to be aware of what you're buying and what right. you're signing yourself up for so yeah. the first part is like you have to identify what you want from the, any experience, from a job, from a teacher, a class, from a university. The clearer you are with what goals you want, the more efficient or productive you become. So you have to ask yourself, again, if I'm going to university and I don't really care, like a lot of people go to Harvard not because they want the degree or the education. They just need to meet the future power players that they're going to be working with or hiring in the very near future because that's right. where a lot of these companies are born right yeah. so if, if networking is your thing then you may not put all your focus on, on uh, athletics for example you might just focus on going to the right parties and social gatherings and clubs and joining sororities or fraternities so that you can get to know these people and you want to develop your social skills so that's what I would work on but let's take it back to the real world what do you want to get from your experience? Do you want to learn lettering? Do you want to learn layout design? And, and you, if you get really clear about that, you're about three Google searches away from finding the answer that you want, uh, yeah. either through a very affordable course or something that's free or an ebook or an audio book that you can listen to or podcast. Or the future.com. Or a live stream just like this one and get the answers <laughs> that you're looking for. Yeah. Just get clear on what you're looking for.
0: That's perfect uh harp reads art do you believe in challenges and contests to show your work
1: Uh, yes and no if you have uh if you need a, a prompt a design prompt then challenges help and it's nice to know that a lot of other people are doing the same thing so there's a sense of community and spirit and you can also measure yourself pretty quickly to see like how did i do relative to everybody else so for that reason i would say yes go do it if it's for getting notoriety uh, or fame or a potential client, I would not bank on that. There's, there's much more effective ways to go out there and get work and spending all your time chasing a competition because there's only so many winners and there are a lot of losers, yeah. right? And that may not help you.
0: Yeah, for sure. I totally yeah. agree. Uh, moving right along here, The Social Eskimo. Great name, by the way. Some like, of these handles are so funny. Uh, mm-hmm. What about throwing a small discount on the invoice, like a surprise for added value to a client? Dumb idea or
1: no? I don't like it. I'm not gonna call it dumb. I just don't like it uh, because what, what's gonna happen is you're gonna create an expectation over time that right. when you don't give a discount they, and then they're gonna just take it for granted. Sometimes giving a, a, an unsolicited discount also makes them feel like, wait, why did we get a discount? Did they screw yeah. up something? Uh, did they cut corners? Something happened. Does so feel bad, you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, something is wrong here. They overcharge us clearly. And you don't want to get into that situation. (laughs) So if you want to have good customer relationships, what you want to do is show effort. Effort matters and effort usually costs nothing. For example, find out when your client's birthday is, send them a note, Uh, send them a card for any kind of significant holiday that you both believe in. If you come across a really good book that is relevant to the things you've been talking about, buy the book, put a handwritten note in it and send it over to them and, and bookmark that page because they don't want to read the whole book. I said, this chapter, I think, was really relevant to what we were talking about. I think you'll really enjoy this. If they read that chapter and, and, like, fireworks are going off in their mind, guess what? Now they associate you with the person who
0: brought that information to them,
1: and that's a really positive relationship.
0: I love that. Awesome. Uh, Aloha Cameron Ash says, any book recommendations for self-taught designers?
1: Ooh, self-taught design, huh? The thing is, I don't know about your experiences, but learning design from a
0: book has been very,
1: very difficult. You can learn very technical things. You can learn design history from books. But learning how to put things together, I I just don't know. Uh, But if you, the one book I would say is is Typographic Form and Communication by Philip Meggs and David Carter is a great foundation to learn more about type and grid systems. But reading that book cover to cover may not make you a very good designer. But at least you'll know the terminology. You'll understand the systems a little bit better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I always find that, that things that work on kind of like the emotional, interpersonal side of the creative can be like really valuable. Like I love Chase Jarvis's book. It was really good because mm-hmm. it wasn't so technical, but it was based on kind of like the the headspace that you want to be in to be creative. So for me, that was really yeah. helpful. Uh, I have a book list on, on my page. I don't know if you have for the future. Do you have like a book list anywhere? Or-
1: I do, I do. I, and uh, you, they can just check my profile later
0: on Instagram oh. and,
1: and check a link and it's like design books and business books, things like that. I yeah. have lists of everything.
0: I have one too, I gotta update it. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna steal some from yours, okay, here we go. Uh, uh, she's off the grid, what a perfect segue. Uh, <laughs>
1: Apparently in. not, cause she's on the grid right
0: now. Yeah. <laughs> How do you guys deal with, uh, with paid trial jobs or is it something that you never do? So I guess like giving somebody like two weeks kind of thing or like an internship, I'm assuming that's what that means, right?
1: Yeah. You know, sometimes these large tech companies, they give you a test, like even Pixar does this. They, they give you an animation to work on and it's the parameters are very set and they, they know basically after you complete this, if you're a Pixar material or not. And I think for companies like that, where there's way more people who want the job than they right. have jobs to give, you're going to have to play the game if you want to work there. I don't think there's anything wrong with that if it's a legitimate job offer. Good news is usually those companies have very high salaries and you're at the top of the industry already. Now yeah. if you're talking about some middle of, of the of America or the world where it's like I never even heard of this place before. They got four people and working in the back room and they're they're asking you to do some free work or low-paying work, uh, that's questionable for me. Yeah. You know, if you think if you think it's a legitimate offer and, and those are good people and this is a good challenge to work on, do it, but it has to be done on a case by case basis.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'll I'll never get to that Pixar place, but I I would love to. Like, if I really had like my act together and was allocating my post hits properly, I, I would love to work at Pixar. <laughs> uh, soy Goret Agaza a Agiza. Sammy, are you making these names up? Uh, good tip on closing the sales. Uh, we kind of covered that a little bit, but is there a line that you use or like a?
1: Yeah. So I, I don't want to teach you lines that you're going to memorize and say awkwardly. You know, it's like uh, pick up lines that you use uh, on don't people. Money. You know? <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> Basically, the entire conversation, if it's structured properly, is taking you to a point of a sale. So it's not just like, how's it going? And hey, do you want to buy this for me? And, and people, believe it or not, do this to me all the time. They have a conversation and they'll say, so when are you going to hire me? It's like, where'd that come from? It's like getting punched in the side of the head and it's like, I didn't even... I didn't know we were even talking about you at this point. Right. So you want to design the conversation. And, and if you read this book, it's called Socratic Selling. And it's based on like Socrates, right? The idea right. is you ask lots of questions. Uh, another great book is The Coaching Habit by Michael Bungay Stanier. And, and he's like asked lots of what questions. Like, what is, what is the goal? What's the problem? What is the real challenge for you? What's on your mind? And you start to direct them towards something. And it's like, oh, that's very interesting. And that's a problem I think I can solve. And so you keep engaging them in a the dialogue and eventually you get to this point. It's like, Hey, do you do that thing that I have a problem with? If you do, let's, let's do work together. How much does that cost? So it's a very natural progression of a conversation. You could think of it like dating too. Like yeah. you might want to work up to something before you say, Hey, do you want to get married? Right. That's probably, that's a close, right? Or something else is the close, but you know, you <laughs> yeah. want to work up to it. It's not just like you meet a person and say, hi, let's get married.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, there's uh, Cy Wakeman who was on that podcast. was really great. You guys should interview her on, on the future. Um, uh, she has a quote, uh, don't be transactional so that you can become transformational. In other words, like don't be going in for the ask because you're closing more doors than you could ever imagine. In that way. And I, get, I get it all the time. And tell me if you get this too, where conversations going good things going well and and, my, and i'm like they're oh like love that episode with the you know with chris from the future it was really great i'm like oh thanks so much and it's like <gasps> can i be on the podcast i'm like whoa like where where is that <laughs> it's like a bait and switch you know because they wrote you yeah. in with the nice comments and then you're like oh okay like this seems like the intent seems right here that's a kind of a flip does that happen to yeah you, you
1: know it does happen, and it's not even that smooth. Usually, they just say hi, and then it's like the ask right away. And then those people, I yeah. either block, ignore, or just move into another folder, and I don't even care anymore. And the problem yeah. is this: is like we we're very sensitive to picking up people's ulterior motives and hidden agendas. We're very good at figuring this stuff out. It's part of our survival instincts. Like when somebody knocks at your door, you're already thinking, "Hey, sc- uh, hey scumbag! I, like I don't want any of whatever it is you're selling. I don't want. Right. It. I don't want my house painted. It. I don't." I don't have a pest problem. I got nothing. Just get on my face. And this is what you're doing to other people, the thing that you don't like being done to you. So I would really try to avoid that. Okay? So you want to have a real conversation. And if you want to ask for something, especially like, uh, it, it, like somebody that you know already, what I would do is ask them up front and then have the small talk second. Because what happens is, in your case, they yeah. invalidate all the small talk and the flattery by then going for the ask in after saying that like hey uh, i loved you on that podcast your hair is great and then by the way can i be on a podcast so then you say to yourself oh all the other stuff was just made up that's just trying to butter me up right but if you say you know i would love to be on a podcast sometime and by the way i thought your hair was great and you were really
0: intelligent and charming and funny yeah the
1: order matters (laughs) you're like yeah tell me more (laughs) yeah
0: Uh, Alexis, we'll do a little speed round here. Alexis Galloway, any ideas of a senior graphic design project? I want to challenge my typography and branding skills. Um,
1: In terms of uh, a a senior project, I would look for a real business problem to solve. Something that either uh, like um, a user flow issue, maybe there's a communication issue that's going on, organizational issue, and then use design to solve that. I'll give you an example. If you go to a lot of restaurants, their menus are jam packed, right? It's like 155 items. And then you look at the turnaround time uh, because it takes like 10 minutes for them to figure out what they order. And every minute that somebody's not ordering, eating and getting out, the, the restaurant's losing money. Look for a real problem to solve. Uh, Brian Collins shared this uh, with one of the episodes that we were doing together. He said that um, one of his, um, uh, maybe like some a, a college student he was mentoring, I, f- I forget the exact parts of the story, but her um her grandparents uh, one of them had taken the wrong medicine and because the labels are so small and they're exactly the same and it turns out one of the parents uh grandparents was like a doctor and the fact that a doctor's wife could take the wrong medicine and she went into the hospital and got very very sick because of this so she found a problem to solve and then her solution was to change the label and the design of it and it caused quite a bit of a revolution and then her idea Made it all the way to Target. And so now Target has this whole system that they're using. And so if you want to do a design project, do something that actually might save lives or improve a business, not just because you want to make it look better.
0: Oh, here's a great question. What will the future of design, uh, future no, uh, of design industry look like in the next five years?
1: Oh my gosh. Uh, your, your guess is as good as mine. But I think the the people who are gonna be successful are using design to solve more than visual problems. It's interesting, if you talk to Collins, they describe themselves as an experienced design agency. So that's a very broad thing, right? So they're trying to improve or go from an existing situation to to a preferred situation or preferred condition. So I think that's what we're looking at. And, And designers now have to compete on something beyond the way it looks. But other than right. that, I don't really know. I don't spend too much time thinking about like what's happening in five years like that.
0: Yeah, we're just trying to get to the end of 2020, people. It's, it's been hard. <laughs> that would be a miracle, <laughs> right? Yeah, that would be good. Inside Medicine Co. UK, how can you delight customers with a subscription-based online product? You're the perfect person to ask for this, I think.
1: Okay. Uh, the, I guess the, how can you create best... a
0: product that people would want to subscribe to or pay for? Okay.
1: That, that's very easy. Uh, basically, there's a value exchange every time a transaction happens. You give something, and they give you something, and both of you get more than what you gave. Otherwise, a transaction wouldn't happen. For example, if you, were a, a, you bake bread and you make more loaves than you can eat, the loaves are not worth anything to you because you can't eat them all, and they're going to go bad. So you go out and you trade them, and, and somebody who really loves artisanal baked bread with the kind of way that you make it will give you money or – a chicken or something, and that's how that, that works, right? So the value exchange has to be really high. So if you create something that other people see greater value than the money that they give you, they're going to be your customer and they're, they're going to be there for a while. Let's look at some of the su- subscription models, right? I subscribe to Netflix, to Apple Plus or Apple TV, and to Amazon Prime and Disney Plus. So the amount of money I give them, not to mention Skillshare, uh, Masterclass, like I subscribe to lots of stuff. So all they need right. to do is give me more than $10 worth of value every single month. And I'm thrilled, right? So I look at it in my mind and yeah. I think, well, a movie ticket is probably about 15 bucks. And if I can watch two movies on these platforms a month, then it's more than the, what I paid. And of course, these, especially like Netflix and, and, and Amazon, they have a ton of content. So it's like, I'm, I'm getting a lot of value there. So yeah. obsess day and night, how you can empower and give more value to your customer and they will be your customer for life. Dude, that's perfect. That's the best,
0: you come up with like the most practical, best analogies ever. All right, let's do one more. My wife is a teacher, she's going back, uh, believe it or not, going back uh, to the classroom setting, online learning. Uh, You were at online learning long before it was cool. Uh, What, you know, advice for people that are in that space that are teaching online, doing half days, innovating in that space, Uh, Is there anything that you've learned in terms of how to be effective when teaching online? I know we kind of touched on that before, but for people that are looking to kind of work in this digital space, do you have maybe any advice you can give?
1: Yeah, that's a very good question. It's probably going to take us to the end of the stream here. So uh, first, uh, I want to thank your wife and all the (laughs) teachers who are, are doing what they have to do to make the most out of a very tough situation we've taken teachers who are used to working with human beings and we've made them into um, broadcast journalists and it's not a skill that they signed right. up for or, or, nor have nor want. And we have to realize that uh, human beings get our, our energy from different places. So working with young people uh, and, and you see their eyes light up and you see their, their body posture like change, that's rewarding for us as teachers, right? And then you do these kinds of things and chances are people have their cameras turned off pointing to a to corner of their room. And you're getting no energy. Right. So the first piece of advice I'd or give your to your is wife.
0: is yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but the audio is clear. It kind of looks cool, yes.
0: honestly. It looks cool.
1: <laughs> really? Because I can see you clearly. I don't know what's going on. Okay. Anyways. So <laughs> you, have, you have to prepare for the, I think, the, uh, the emotional toll it might take on you. So I think you need to support your wife because it's draining to pour your soul and your energy into something that gives you nothing back. So I think you should take frequent breaks. I think you need to nap when you need to, and you need to just have days or moments for yourself because it is very, very draining, okay? The other thing is, what I would do is I would try to start to invent things that keep people engaged. You already do that, that's a great skill you already have in the real world, you just have to think, like what's the online digital equivalent to that? So we know this, you and I talking, uh, a, a talking head, it's, it's gonna lose the attention of people. And if you think about the way commercials and music videos are cut, there's usually an edit every three seconds. And that's why you see some of the big YouTubers, they're, they're doing uh, jump cuts and they're, they're yeah. throwing a graphic or an emoji on the screen. There's a reason, because it keeps you engaged with the content. So this might be one of those moments where your wife pre records some video that's edited, mm-hmm. uh, some experiments, so the camera angles change, and that way she can drop those in every once in a while. And yeah. I would also say that hearing somebody talk like the way we're talking for a long period of time is going to put people to sleep. So it's good to yeah. throw challenges or prompts to them, have them break out in small groups and discuss things and then come back. You'll see that each time they come back, they're happier, their energy is renewed, and it gives you time to just chill out
0: too. Yeah. Dude, that's amazing. Perfect answer. And you're like a miracle, you're back from the pixelated land. I love it, this is amazing. <laughs> uh, thanks for doing this, I really appreciate it. And uh, I think it, I think a- after this episode, we're gonna officially have to have Brian on because I don't think the people are gonna believe that I actually know him. And we talk about him all the time in the show, but uh, he's a, a positive <laughs> in- influence in our lives. So uh-huh. thank you for doing this. Where can people find you online? What's the best place to get in touch? The number of people that have been in this has been amazing. I think This is the highest viewership I've had on this, so. Oh, thanks, awesome. Uh, Follow my page.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah, follow this page. So uh, you can find me at Doe on Instagram and just about everywhere else. I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. I post different content. Also on Facebook and, of course, YouTube. On YouTube, you can find our channel. It's The Future Is Here. No E. Drop the E. Go. The, the E is gone. That's it. The Future Is Here. And uh, I'm online everywhere. Awesome.
0: All right. And I'm, I'm going to save this live. I appreciate everyone saying that, assuming that Instagram does, does its thing. but. Uh, I'm going to let you go a couple minutes early here I know it's getting late and uh, thank you again for doing this and hopefully we get to hang out some time in person but at this rate, who knows? You're still in California, yes?
1: I still am, yes. Not going anywhere. I just yeah. want the
0: mic to start walking over there so,
1: all right brother. <laughs> thank you so okay. much, you're the best. Thanks for having me and thanks everybody for tuning in and, and submitting your questions so I, I hope we got to most of them.
0: Yes, awesome. If not, go, go bother him on his page and follow their page
1: too. Sure, all right, thanks take well. care. I appreciate it, bye. Okay, bye.